Welcome to the official podcast of Solid Rock Church of Dearborn. For more information about our church, please visit us online at srcdearborn.com. Um, those of you who would, we're going we're gonna to go to the Word of God today. And if you have your Bibles, you don't have to turn to it, but if you have your Bibles, this is where I'm going to be starting. And I'm actually not reading right away, so just that way you can kind of put your thumb or finger there, whatever it is. But I'm going to the, like the most popular book of the Bible, Haggai. All right, you guys all know Haggai. It's the second shortest cha- uh, book in the Old Testament. It's two chapters long. Um, you could probably memorize an entire book of the Old Testament. Wouldn't that be something? Just by memorizing the book of Haggai. And there's a man, and his name is E.M. Gray. I'm going to tell you a little about this guy. He spent his life searching for the one trait that every successful person shared. This is something that every successful, everybody say successful. Come on, that wasn't everybody. That was like two people. Everybody say successful. That was a little bit better. Um, And he wrote an essay entitled The Common Denominator of Success. In other words, he found the one trait that every successful person had. And it revealed that successful people's common characteristic, it was not hard work. You would think, man, every successful person, they worked really hard. That's not necessarily true. Um, It wasn't good luck. It wasn't great relationship building. Although these traits are important in life when you're trying to accomplish something big, it, it was not the main factor. The one factor that seemed to transcend all of the rest was the habit of putting first things first. It was this habit of being able to prioritize. Everybody say prioritize. They had this ability to put things in the right order. See, the successful person has the habit of doing things that failures don't do. Failures are people who fail a lot, people who don't end up amounting to a whole lot in their walk with God and their regular lives. They have a tendency to keep things just chaotic and scattered all over the place without ever actually having a systematic way that they are going to approach something. Um, they See, the successful person, they do the things that failures don't like to do. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to give you a little secret. Successful people don't like to do them either. See, this is where we, we get a little wrong and we think, oh, well, that person's just self-disciplined. They enjoy they enjoy running five miles every day and they enjoy going to the gym or they enjoy eating healthy and they enjoy just getting down and doing two hours of prayer every day. And Let me tell you something. At times they may, but for the most times they don't really look forward to all of that either. They just do it. It's, it's a difference in mentality. They dislike people subordinating or things in their life subordinating their success. They, they get frustrated when something gets in the way of them actually doing something well. And so they say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway because that's an obstacle for me just to climb over so that I can do something well. I don't like things. We've got to get this way with God. And I know this isn't making you jump up and down, but we've got to get this way with God. We've got to get to the point to where you say, you know what, there is nothing that will separate me from the love of God. See, a lot of times we put this and we put that into God's hand. We say, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. And and we put all that onus on God. Instead of saying, no, nothing will separate me from the love of God. It's it's my responsibility to just put my shoulder down and go over and go through some of these things that are trying to separate me from God. 
See, we, we get this a little backwards. We put all of it on God. And we say, God's just going to fight through everything to get to me. Yes, he will fight to get to you. But if you will draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. There is still an effort on your part. There is still something that you are going to have to do. Discipline yourself. Now, I, again, I'm digging right here. This is not going to be popular today. I get that. But it's okay to say amen still and shake your head a little bit because there are some things you're going to have to do that you don't enjoy doing in life. This week we showed up at a cleaning day. I do not enjoy cleaning. It is not so that I just go like, man, I cannot wait for that day to come. It's so funny because I am a deep cleaner. I am the kind of person who, whenever I set my mind to, I will go every corner. I will literally get into the corners of every room with a toothbrush and get like the little dust and stuff. I am just completely obsessive compulsive when it comes to that. And people think, oh, that's because you just enjoy it. No. I like a result. I like a spick and span clean house. And so I will go over obstacles to get there. Well, this is the same way it is with our walk with God. There's got to be a point in time where you say, you know what? The results of my prayer life are so worth it. The results of my fasting life are so worth it that nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that's going to stop me from getting to my God. There's got to be this mentality. The book of Haggai, the second shortest in the Old Testament, communicates this same message. I'm squealing a little bit up here. I don't know if there's anything we can do about it, but it's like squealing back and forth. But he communicates this message. He communicates the message of putting first things first. He communicates this message that, look, we have got to put... It was written to people like us. It was written to people who had great intentions but didn't always have the best follow-through. Anybody here have great intentions about something ever? Like, just had some great intentions. Man, one day I'm going to write that book. One day I'm going to publish this article. One day I'm going to, one, one day I'm going to draw this picture. One day I'm going to start this business. One day, I'm, and your, your life is filled with one days, right? And we, we have this tendency, and this book was written to normal people like us. And they said that God would be first. These people didn't have this mentality that God doesn't come first. They said it with their mouths. But they had drifted away from this truth. They lived with what's called misplaced priorities. They had priorities. They just had misplaced where it belongs. Again, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about relationships. I'm going to talk about the priorities we put in our lives and in our kids' lives and the things that we, we, we say are important and then what we say and what we do just don't match up together. But Haggai was sent to help God's people get their priorities in line with what they knew it should be already. Haggai spoke his message to Jews who had returned to Jerusalem after living in captivity in Babylon. They had been living for a long time as, as prisoners or as captives in Babylon. They had finally been sent back home, and Haggai goes to these people who had returned to Jerusalem and as you recall, Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem and Solomon's temple some 70 years earlier. And then when, when the Jews had returned from being prisoners or being in exile, they faced this daunting task of rebuilding everything. It was just in front of them. They had to go and rebuild stuff. You know, how many of you realize it's hard enough to build it the first time? It's so much more frustrating when you have to do it the second time. <laughs> Anybody ever 
did a, a put together an entire IKEA desk or something, and then got left with like 18 parts and were like, "Oh crud! <laughs> I got to take this entire thing apart, and I've got to put it all back together." Oh, you should see. No, you shouldn't see. It's it's not a pretty picture. Whenever I when I make a mistake and I have to go back and recorrect that, there is nothing. My my wife gets so mad at me whenever I get like this because I'll be driving or when I was driving, but I'll be driving and in a couple months I will be again and I'll miss my exit. Anybody ever done that? And I get so heated, so angry at my own self that I missed the exit. I mean, I'll hit the steering wheel. Be like, oh, I can't believe I was so stupid. And I'll jerk the wheel around. I'll, it, it's so much more frustrating having to try to get to that exit the second time than it was the first time. And so here they face a daunting task of rebuilding. And the first returnees, they made some preliminary attempts to clear the debris, to uh, the, the debris, to, to lay a foundation a second time. And as a matter of fact, their Samaritan neighbors actually offered to help them. And they declined. They said, no, we don't need any help. Let me tell you something. When the Samaritans offer to help, take the help. <laughs> right? Just because just people ain't filled with the Holy Ghost and sanctified, doesn't mean they don't have something to offer to your life. When the Samaritans offer to help, go ahead and accept the help. But they, 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 they went in and, and here's what happened, though. They refused them. And so the Samaritans in return threatened the workers, and they spent, they sent people to Persia to lobby against the Jewish people from rebuilding again. So just some history background. This is some, some crazy chaotic times they were living in. And it brought all the work to a stop. And as the years passed, Jerusalem came to life again. Homes were built. Stores were open. Businesses started going again. Everything started going again like it used to, except for one thing. Their life returned to normalcy. They, they got back to doing it except for one thing. And that was they got used to life without the temple. The temple still laid in ruins. It was still overgrown. It was still in a place of chaos and disrepair. It stood as a reminder to the Jews' failure to take care of the house of God. Now, Understand, it was about 14 to 16 years had passed before Haggai's appearance. And he preached one message, and that was this. It's time to rebuild the temple. He said, okay, it's time to get started again. And in this picture, and in today's, when I'm teaching, when I'm preaching today, I want you to think whenever I say the temple, it's not just about this physical building. It's about this. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. This is the temple, that spiritual condition inside your soul. It is time to finish rebuilding the temple. Some of us have been there before. Some of us had had a great temple and great repair at one time. Great state. Man, we were worshiping. We were living for God. Everything was just going good. And some of us have allowed that temple that was built just to lay in a state of disrepair. 
And when you face the daunting task of saying, God, you have done it for me before. Can you do it again? And I've made so many promises to you and I've let you down so many times. And here I am facing this daunting task of rebuilding my spiritual life. And if you're not careful, you just say, you know what? Enough's enough. Let's put that to the side and let's focus in on everything else. Because I obviously wasn't that successful with it the first time. And so, you know what? Why even approach it again? It's one thing to build it the first time. It's a whole other thing when it comes to saying it's time to reinvent. Or not reinvent, it's time to restore what's already happened before. This was a message of priority, putting first things first. The temple was the center for worshiping God. It represented the heart and the soul of the Old Testament religion. Although God is everywhere, the temple was the place on earth that God dwelled in in a spiritual sense. And for the temple to lay in ruins was to neglect the very worship of the God who created them. It was to neglect the important things in their lives. And trust me, I'm getting to a point here. It was a testimony of misplaced priorities. It was an embarrassment to God, and it was a blemish to his reputation. And they just didn't care. Haggai's message was blunt. I'm going to be blunt today. He pulled no punches, and he wasted no words. He spoke like a foreman on a construction project. When they were, he was walking, I was saying, this needs to happen here. This needs to happen here. You need to fix this right here. And I'm telling you, over the next couple of weeks, again, wear your steel-toed boots, because if you get your feelings hurt very easy, I'm not going to be trying to hear feelings. I'm going to be talking about the priorities we place in our lives. And, and as a matter of fact, right before I get into all that, we've got Brother Rico Smith coming to help pave the way a little bit because I want you to have some gentle, loving care and be able to worship before, because we got to prepare that ground sometimes because God is wanting to do something in our lives. He's trying to straighten up some of our priorities. He's trying to balance our lives back. He's trying to tip the scales back into a spiritual light. And so we look at there, so there's some practical things that he started talking about when it came to the temple. And this is, takes me to my very first point, and that is this. Stop making excuses. This is his very first thing he comes in. He's basically telling them to stop with all your sorry excuses of why you didn't get it done in the first place. Because, man, we have a ton of them. We have a ton of them. And I'm going to show you the scripture where he talks about it. He says this. He says, the Lord of hosts says this. These people say the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. He says, look, it just wasn't time for the house of the Lord to be taken care of. It, it just wasn't that season of my life. It just wasn't that, it wasn't that time. If, if you were to ask them, they just hadn't gotten around to it yet. They would probably say something like this. I'm all about rebuilding the temple. It's a great cause. But God wants us to take care of our families first. I'm just telling you what it sounded like to Haggai. Times are hard. Jobs are scarce. I don't make enough money. We need to pray about it just a little more. We need to eventually rebuild it, just not right now. They made excuses. Billy Sunday, who was a famous evangelist, defined the excuse as the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. <laughs> he said, that's a hard statement. He said, your excuses are just a skin of a reason shoved full of a lie. Benjamin Franklin wrote this way. He said, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses 
who was good at anything else. Whoa, that's some hard reality. I never knew a man who made excuses that was good at anything else. Now, that's not scripture, but this was from a man who, quite honestly, did quite a bit. <laughs> this is Benjamin Franklin. This is one of your founding fathers. This is somebody who had a little bit of something to share about doing something worth value. And he said, there's never been a man who made excuses that was good at anything else. This is about examination. This is about interreflection and saying, wow, am I just coming up with excuses of why this isn't happening? Am I just coming up with excuses of why I'm not good at this or why I haven't done this or why I haven't applied this? You know what? It is always easy to make excuses when you just don't want to obey God. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Sometimes you make an excuse because you just flat out, I think God would rather just hear, I don't want to obey you than to have a bunch of excuses of why you don't want to obey him. How many of you understand? Just raise your hand. You understand. I just don't want to obey you. I just, I just flat out don't want to do what you've asked out of my life. And so I'm going to make an excuse of why I can't. It's time to be a little honest. We can always find rational justification for not doing what God wants us to do. We can rationalize it. The time is not right. I've got family responsibilities. The kids need me right now. The step to putting first things first, the first step, is to admit our responsibility toward it. I'm not getting a ton of, not, I get it, I get it. But let me tell you something, it's reality. It's true. The second part, cease being selfish. This is the second part of his sermon. Stop being so selfish. Stop thinking just about yourself. Closely aligned with an excuse as a selfish mindset that permeates or gets into everything. He challenged the people's selfish behavior. This is what he says from there. Put this scripture up. He says, the word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. This wasn't just his own opinion. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to your pastor, you'll listen to the preacher, think, well, that's just his opinion. This isn't just an opinion. This comes from the Word of God. It came straight from the voice of God. He said, the Word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to live in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? In other words, really? Is it time to take care of your needs when the things of God still need to be accomplished? Really? Is it time to take your Saturday just to spend your quality alone time? Or is it time to take your Saturday to go do something for God? Right? This was a very strong statement from Haggai. This was not a, a laid back, paneled houses can be covered or roofed. But the point was it represented the finishing touches. He said, look, you've already taken care of yours, but you've left this in ruins. Let me tell you what that looks like. You worked your 40-hour work week, but you didn't take 30 minutes to pray. You made sure that your income check came in, but you didn't pay your tithes. You made sure that you were all taken care of, but you didn't look after the things of the kingdom. This was Haggai getting right up in their business and say, hey, look, it's time to reprioritize your life. This is what it looked like. Oh, look, you went and got your education, but you didn't educate anybody else over here in the word of God. It was a strong statement in their face about things that were important. Think about this. No weeds were growing around their houses. They were complete. 
Please understand, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. This is not a statement against working a job. You should provide for your family. What's wrong is to spend one's time, one's best hours, one's talents on selfish pursuits while the things of God are left undone. This is about ministry. This is about reaching to other people's lives. This is about changing my thought from I got to get mine to I've got to help others. It's different. It's an, indi- it's an indication of misplaced priorities. As a matter of fact, when we come to church, a lot of times we come to church for us. It's an indication of misplaced priorities. Well, I didn't like that song, or it was to this, and it was, I don't. As soon as the words, I don't like, come out of your mouth, you better ask yourself, why? Is it because it's not being effective for others, or is it because I don't enjoy it myself? Okay, there's, it's just, it's something you've got to think about. Is it because my personal thing, I just don't enjoy it? Or is it because, man, I really think it's impacting other people's in a negative way? And that's something we have to process. We have to cease. And this is what Haggai would say. Look, you've taken care of all your stuff. But are you looking out for the house of God? Are you looking out for the kingdom? It's the default mode of our culture. It is. It's the default mode and mode of operation of our culture. If we give no thought to how we are living, we will naturally live for ourselves. This is what I'm saying. When you're not purposely reaching out and thinking about other people, you will naturally gravitate to just thinking about you and how things affect you. If you are not being intentional about, man, I got to make sure they're okay this week. Man, I got to make sure the church needs me today. The, the kingdom needs me. It needs me as a servant. God, you filled me with your spirit. You left me here on this planet for a purpose. What am I supposed to be doing for others today? What am I supposed to be doing for the kingdom today? Our natural default position is not to go there. Our natural default position is not to say, man, how are you doing this week? Man, who, who's not here and who can I minister to? Here's our natural default position. We sit down and we come to a service. We look around and we say, well, where's everybody else at and why aren't they here? Instead of, God, what's going on in their lives? How can I help them? How can I restore them? How can I touch base with them this week? Our default position is selfish. It is not kingdom-minded. This is what happened to the Jews that Haggai was addressing. There's a hymn writer, and he wrote this. He said, prone prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. In other words, this is my natural inclination, is to leave the God I love. Number three, he was preaching to him a sermon, don't miss out on God's blessing. As a consequence of their excuse-making, and their selfish living, the people in Haggai's day, they experienced hardship. They did not experience hardship because God hated them. They did not experience hardship because they were not back in Jerusalem. They're out of slavery. They were experiencing hardship out of their own pure selfish ambitions and lack of ability to put things first. This is what he says. He says, now the Lord of hosts says this. Again, not his opinion. The Lord of Hosts says this, think carefully about your ways. He says, I want you to look around and see what's happening. He says, think carefully about your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. He says, look, there's a reason for that. You 
eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but you never have enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but you never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages in a bag with a hole in it. This is out of the good news version. But I want you to see something. When you get out of priority with God, when you stop seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then these things will not be added to you. When you go around and you're working so hard and you realize, wow, there's still nothing left at the end of the day. And and man, I'm, I'm clothing myself and I still can't get warm. And it's time to re-examine your life. It's not everybody else's fault. It is your misalignment of priorities. It is your inability to put first things first. Not everybody else's fault. Man, I just, I feel like there's not enough money at the end of the day. Examine some things. Am I being generous? Am I paying my tithes? Am I paying my offering? Am I giving to the poor? Am I helping feed somebody else? Am I helping close somebody else? Because if you're not, stop being so surprised when you don't have enough left at the end of the day. Stop being so shocked when you have been tending to all your own stuff, leaving the temple in disarray. Stop being so shocked when there's not enough left at the end of the day for you. You got to remember, even when it comes to tithing, that's that's already God's. That's the first fruits of our labor. That that goes before everything else comes. In my house, it's the first thing we write. It's not the last thing we write. It's the first thing we write. Why? Because I want to make sure I'm taking care of the kingdom of God. I want to make sure that I'm looking for him before I'm looking for myself. Because if I take care of him, he'll take that 90% and he'll multiply it. He'll make sure I'm taken care of. And that goes beyond just our finances. That goes to our time. God, if I give you this Sunday, if I give you this Wednesday, if I give you these three or four hours a week, you'll take the rest of the week and you'll make sure I have enough time to do the things that are important to you. As a matter of fact, not only that, you'll give me peace. You'll give me the ability to spend time with my family. You'll give me time to go on vacation. You'll give me these things. But I've got to put you first. And Haggai's looking up and says, why are you so surprised? That things are falling apart in your own life. Because you've let things fall apart spiritually. You didn't take care of the temple. You didn't take care of the spiritual things first. The wage earner puts his wages in bags with holes in it. Why? Because they hadn't taken care of the temple. They sowed plenty of seed, but there was a drought. They, they were laboring, but showing no profit. Do you know how that feels? Then re-examine. Do some inter-reflection. I'm telling you, because they're selfishness, the people missed out on God's blessing. He put out a sober reminder. What happens in your heart affects every other part of your life. It truly, truly does. Because the people push God out of the center of their lives. Guys, I don't know how to be more clear to you. God has to be the center of your life. Not the outskirts. He's got to be the thing that everything else rotates around. You don't plan God around your schedule. You plan your schedule around God. I'm just being a pastor today. You plan your schedule around God. You talk to your work. You say, work, I can't be there. You set it up before you even take the job. 
now this is stuff that I told you. Before you take a job offer, you say, well, I've got to have this time and I've got to have this time. And people say that's just not reasonable. It's absolutely reasonable. It is absolutely reasonable to say, no, I'm carving this time out. This time belongs to God and you don't get to touch it. You do that, you watch the different job offers you'll get. You watch what God does and says, okay, you put me first. Now watch how I put you first before everything else. Oh, I'm Sister Davis already knows I have a hard time preaching this way, but it is reality. It's reality. I do you a disservice without doing this and saying, put first things first. But you understand, I've got to pay my bills. I, I get it. Trust me. If anybody understands this, I get it. Put first things first and watch what God does. He'll bless the rest. I promise you he'll bless the rest. I have a hard time preaching about giving. I have a hard time requiring things out of people because I feel like, quite honestly, I feel like people should be doing it for themselves. So I'm, <laughs> that's just the way I'm geared. That's the way I'm raising my kids. Be self-disciplined. Learn how to take care of it yourself and somebody else doesn't have to come along and put their foot in your backside. But there does come a point in time where you have to say, look, put first things first. What they did not see was that God caused their predicament. They hadn't stopped to consider that God was trying to tell them something. Haggai screamed, hey, it's God who controls the rain. It's God who gives the harvest. He is withholding his blessing because your priorities are not right. Blessings come through obedience. But seek ye first, this is a scripture right here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Take time to evaluate. This is the next part of his sermon. Twice, Haggai instructed the people, consider your ways. Consider your ways. If, I, if you catch anything today, it, literally, if you catch anything today, I want you to write these words down right here. Consider your ways. Three simple words. Very easy to remember. Consider your ways. As you're walking through your next week, as you're planning your schedule, as you're thinking about what comes next, consider your ways. Don't just go out willy-nilly and go all over the place trying to figure out what you're going to do the next day and write it down. Put it clear on it and consider your ways. Think about what you are doing. Consider it. Sit down. Okay, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my spirit? What am I doing spiritually? God, am I, am I really putting you first or is that just a bunch of lip service and I'm really setting my alarm clock 45 minutes later than I should? And Are you really considering your ways? It means to give careful thought to. Consider your ways. Haggai wanted the people to stop long enough in their schedules to evaluate their life and the light of God's word. Evaluation is a good thing. Teachers give tests based upon this concept right here. You got to evaluate what you have learned. Here's the material, learn it, and then I'm going to give you a test to see if you've really learned the information that I have provided to you, right? Evaluation is a good thing. Jobs do this. They hold job reviews. Socrates wrote this. He said, the life unexamined is not a life worth living. I want you to remember that life unexamined is not a life worth living. Consider. Consider. When we stop making excuses, I want our music to come. When we stop making excuses, 
when we cease being selfish, when we seek God's blessings, when we take time to evaluate, we can see God work in a powerful way. Your life will be different if you do that. You know what? It's not enough just to be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of the word. I've preached today, and I haven't used my own words. I've used a sermon that is ages old. What will you do with it? How will we even know if God really has first place in our life? We can say it. Again, we use our mouths a lot. I tell my kids, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. But here's how you'll know if you really have God first. How many of you hope that you have God first? Raise your hand. Right? We hope we do. How many of you like to think that I'm putting God first? Raise your hand. You like to think, okay, I'm putting God first. Let me tell you when you can know if you're putting God first. And this is where Haggai takes us a little bit further. Number one, we are active in the right things. You'll know that God has priority in your life when you are actively involved in the right things. Look at your schedule. Look at your calendar. And you'll know, man, am I active in the right things? Consider what you're reading. Consider what you're listening to. Consider what you're watching. And ask yourself, would God sit next to me? I'm not saying be a prude or I'm not saying only listen to one type of style. What I am saying is ask the question, is God pleased? Let let me help you out with this. Most Netflix originals, God's not pleased with. I don't know if I can help you understand that more. If something you're watching has full nudity in it and sexual scenes, God's not pleased with it. Stop fooling yourself. Can I get more clear than that? I don't know if I can. If every show you're watching promotes the homosexual agenda and just acts like it's a norm of life, let me tell you something. God's not pleased. I can show you in Romans 1. He says not only people who are doing it, but those who have pleasure in them that are doing it. That puts it on you as well. So if you're sitting there going, oh, this is hilarious, this is so funny. Let me tell you something. God's not pleased. Evaluate. Sit down. Say, wow, I really don't think God's going to be too thrilled with this. This is not a hard concept. And you say, well, I'm putting God first. I would love to put God first. Evaluate. Are you doing the right things? This is what Haggai says. He said, go up into the hills, bring down lumber, build the house. Then I will be pleased with it and will be glorified, says the Lord. In other words, start doing the work, and then I'll be pleased. Not, oh, they came to church, I'm pleased. No, go do the work, then I'll be pleased. Start changing some things, then I'll be pleased. We have a hard idea with this. We, we want a God that just loves all in spite. And I get it. God loves you. That doesn't mean you're pleasing him. <laughs> right? Just because God, trust me, my wife loves me. I don't always make her happy. Michael's nodding his head. We all know this, right? She loves me. 
for the Jews in Jerusalem, putting God first meant cutting down trees to build God's kingdom. For you, it might be spending time with God daily. It might be cutting some garbage out of your life. It's just garbage. Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. Really? Because your Netflix login says eight and a half hours screen time. You have time. Number two, you'll see this happen in your life. God is glorified. God will be glorified when you have your priorities lined up. God will naturally be lifted up in everything that's happening. When God is not first, we are indifferent to his glory. We walk into church, the glory of the Lord can fall, and we won't even notice it. Because our priorities aren't even lined up. When God is revealing his glory, it's first on our minds. In fact, everything we think, we say, we do, it is to honor God and to bring him glory. This should be your occupation. I'm just being honest. This should be your occupation. This is how I make my living over here. This is how I make my money. But this is my occupation. That is to bring God glory and to glorify him and lift him up in every area of my life. What are your kids seeing? Are they seeing you lift up God and their value system? Are they seeing you lift up God and the way that you conduct yourself? God, I glorify you. Are, are they watching? I know our kids are in school for a long time a day, and sometimes it's hard for them to see everything because by the time they get home, they see tired. They don't see everything you do throughout the day. But it still should be, there should be an after effect. There should be a glow. There should be something that, there should be a safety. And then the last thing that will happen, if you, you'll know, you'll start seeing God bless you. Because it says that when the people obeyed, God sent his word, I am with you. When the people obeyed, God sent his word. How many of you ever felt like you just needed a word from God? Just raise your hand. Honestly, just raise your hand. I need a word from God. I need him to speak into my life. Start with obedience. Start with obedience to what you already know to do. When God is first, he blesses us. I wonder today have a huge crowd. If we could all stand to our feet, just come up right around here on the, around the front. There's plenty enough room. There are some things we need to reprioritize. Listen, this doesn't happen overnight. Some of it can. Some of it takes a while. For instance, I talked about job situations. You can't just go out and quit your job today. Well, sorry, I need Wednesdays off. I quit. What you can do is put in a request to have different hours. <laughs> I'm just being honest. You can put in a small request say, hey, I, I can't do this time. And they might come back to you and say, well, you, you could volunteer and you said you could do this. And you say, well, life has been changing a little bit. I'm trying to make some different priority moves. 
what it might mean is you might have to work Saturday night when you typically go do what you like to do in order to get Sunday morning off. You might have to say, you know what, I'll work two shifts on Thursday. It might mean that you just don't get to sleep. I'm just being honest. That's what it might look like. It might mean that you have to study late into the night hours. You don't think God will be blessed or be pleased by that? I remember my mom when I was a kid. She'd wake up at about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning to get us dressed. She had to be at work by like 5 in the morning at GM. It was not a desire. It was just a need. Had to do it. Work in the factory. And I remember her dropping us off. We'd go to school and everything. She wasn't there when we went to school. She wasn't there when we got back from school. She was working still. She'd come home smelling like the factory. Just, it's what you do. Sometimes she'd be able to take a shower. Sometimes she just had to go smelling like the factory. And she'd take us to church on Tuesday night because we had youth service on Tuesday night. And then we went to church on Wednesday night. And a lot of times we had weekend revival services that would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't remember us ever missing. Ever missing. I do remember nights where I know she could have only gotten two and a half, three hours of sleep. There's no way she got more than that. He said, well, that's just silly. No, it's not. Because what God did with the rest of her time was make up for it. She might not have realized it at the time, but it's how the lights stayed on. It wasn't that check she was getting from General Motors that was keeping me and my sister in church. It was her giving to missions. It was her making sure that she she taught Sunday school. By the way, in this process, she taught Sunday school. You're gonna see her right now. I get it. I'm my wife, my my wife, my mom and I, we joke back and forth a lot. And so you'll see us kidding around and what you don't see is the underlining stuff that happened. A single mom working her rear end off. Same time teaching Bible studies. I'm talking home Bible studies. I remember people being at my house. Even when my wife and I got married, there was Rhonda Schrader. There was a definitely, she learned sign language. And I'm talking about while working 50 hours a week, while driving. She worked in Toledo, by the way, from Ypsilanti. I'm not trying to glorify. I just want to show you something what it looks like to have priorities. She taught home Bible studies to Rhonda Schrader. This lady was about 400 pounds, easily, maybe more. She was a big lady. And she would sit there in our house and my mom would teach her a Bible study. I remember her learning sign language to teach a deaf woman a Bible study. Learning an entire language for one individual. And because she started loving it, but that was her goal. I'm going to teach this lady a Bible study no matter what I have to do to get through it. I remember us going to a lady named Fanny's house. and She used to make head cheese. Anybody ever smelled head cheese? That stuff is nasty. And I remember her taking us all there. I remember there was a, a lady, I can't even remember her name, but it was a family that she would take. They had a rope swing on the outside of their house. But she would drag us all over there to teach a Bible study of this lady inside. She's got, she had some weird kids. and This is just one of them. She probably, there, there was more than one of them. <laughs> this is the one that I can think of. Bible, this is my life growing up. Bible study here, Bible study there, Bible study. That she's teaching personally while taking us to Bible study, while working. You wonder, how in the world? I'll tell you how. Priorities. 
putting first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will start being added to you. You know what? And I think some of us have started out the right way. We want to do that. How many of you is that your desire? You would love to be able to do that, right? You'd love to reprioritize and say, God, you're going to come first. Listen, I know this isn't an easy one. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not singling an individual out or individuals. This is a sermon from Haggai, not from Nathan. But there does come a point in time where we have to sit down and we have to re-examine. God, what's important? What's important? My daughter has started falling in love, and I'm going to end with this. We're going to pray. I probably should have stopped before this. There's this dumb show that she found called Wife Swap. And what happens is a mom from one house and a mom from another house change places for a week. And they try to teach and learn something from the other person. And it's amazing what happens when this happens, right? Because each one had their own list of priorities. One was a rich person whose priorities were making sure that you had a ton of stuff. The other one, they lived in a bus that they remade into an RV, and their priority was family time. And I was watching all this, and I'm, I was just kind of cracking up. And I'm like, all these people have their own priorities. And yet, Christians are looked at kind of weird sometimes because they put priority number one on God. They asked one guy, what's your priority? He said, well, my first priority is my job. He said, well, I mean, my first priority is technically my wife, but I got to work my job in order to have a relationship with my wife. And at the end of this show, the screenshot comes up and says, this couple was divorced four months later. Shocker. Put God first. First things first. I've talked to you about this before. Here's an easy way to do it. Give your first day of the week, Sunday. Give it to God. First day. Give your first 15 minutes of every morning in prayer. Take the next 15 minutes of Bible reading. That's your first half hour. You've got 23 and a half more of them. That's your first half hour. Take your first day of your work week and maybe fast for your first day of your work week. There's something about giving God the first. That first part of your, your finances. God, I'm giving this to you. The first part of the first part of everything. Your first fruits. Give it to God. Let it become important. And watch what he does with the rest of it. You, I promise you, you will never regret making Wednesday nights a priority. You'll never, you'll never regret making your, your connect group and your whole fellowship a priority in your life. You will never regret, and I mean this, you'll never regret making God number one in everything that you do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. I'm wondering right now, this is a heavy message. It's heavy because I have to re-examine my own self. I'm the first one at this altar. I'm just being honest. I've got to re-examine God. Am I giving you everything? Or am I just talking? Because i got to re-examine God. Am I being blessed? God, are you being glorified? God, are these things happening? If not, help me, be, help me make some course corrections. David prayed, search me. 
find if there's any unclean. Find out if there's anything inside of me that would be contrary to what you're wanting in my life. I'm wondering if together, just as we close, if we could just lift up our hands all over this place, just pray that God search me. Come, be honest with it. Come on, this is about priorities. This is about seeking after. This is about looking at everything and saying, God, I see it and I'm committing to it. Come on, that's it. God is moving in this place. Jesus, right now. Some of us have gotten off course. Maybe you've gotten off course with the things that you're glorifying with your eyes and the things you're watching. Maybe you've gotten off course with the way that you're approaching your, your whole self toward the kingdom of God. I don't know what it is. You know what it is more than anybody else does. Come on, with our hands lifted up. Come on, just start praying. God, search me, Jesus. God, help me to reprioritize my life and my schedule, God. Help me to reexamine the way that I'm doing things, Jesus. God, help me to start asking myself, God, am I really putting you first or is that just lip service, God? Lord, I glorify you today, Jesus. Come on, lift up him in this place today. Come on, somebody is understanding. Somebody is starting to get, hey, look, I need to make some readjustments. I need to make some course corrections, Jesus, right now. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. God, I need you, Jesus. God, I need you to bless my life, God. Lord, I need you to be number one in my life, Jesus. Welcome to the official podcast of Solid Rock Church of Dearborn. For more information about our church, please visit us online at srcdearborn.com.